Riot Squad, a female-powered media agency proudly presenting Camp Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's first and only DIY punk rock summer camp, September 1st through 3rd in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Come camp with us for three nights of non-stop punk rock all weekend long, with over 40 bands and tons of activities. Tickets on sale now at camppunksylvania.com. That's camp, P-U-N-K-S-Y-L-V-A-N-I-A dot com. See you there. Love this podcast? Consider supporting this show. You decide how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Visit the link in the episode description to support now. On this episode of Your Life, the Mixtape bonus tracks, I am joined by a member of the iconic Boston rock band, The Nervous Eaters. They have got a new single, Hop Sing Said, out right now, and their new album, Monsters and Angels, is out on the 11th of November. Please welcome the incomparable Mr. Brad Helene. Hello, sir. How you doing, Greg? I'm, I'm, I'm fantastic. Um. So, so tell us, uh, tell us about Hop Sing Said. Okay, well, you're a little bit younger than me and, and us, but there was a TV show back in the 60s uh, into the 70s, I believe, called Bonanza with Lauren Green and uh, a bunch of cast of characters. But it was, it was Lauren Green, you know, it was, he owned a ranch. He was a cowboy. He had three sons, Adam, Hoss, and little Joe, and he had he had uh, the chef. Their their cook was named Hop Singh, and those guys. I mean, without like judging anybody's character or taking anybody's inventory here, you know, those like Lauren, like he, you know, Ben Cartwright wasn't the smartest bulb on the circuit. Little Joe was kind of like the same as him. Hoss was always getting in trouble because he was in the kitchen eating all the food before it was ready. And Adam was kind of like the handsome, arrogant dude. And Hop Singh was kind of like the guy that always had the spiritual moment. Like the guy that was always like, hey, stop eating all the food before it's cooked. Just always had like, so basically we're using Hop Singh as a spiritual entity of common sense in this song. And the song's about a girl that's a junkie in New York City. I mean, you know, the drug problem is is an epidemic at this point in time. You know, my my brother died from from a heroin overdose, and uh, you know, I know a lot of people that have been involved with narcotics in particular over the years. Being, I've been in the music business, you know, a full time bass player since 1975, so I've seen a lot of it and had my own personal experiences with this stuff. So. It's just kind of a, you know, it was Steve, Steve Cataldo, the, the primary force behind the Nervous Eaters, is, has an interesting mind and a way, 
a humorous way of how he thinks of things. And, you know, his songs, like any great songwriter, uh, are open to universal interpretation. But I'll just tell you my take on this song is that Hop Singh is a spiritual entity of common sense. And kind of like the voice that we all have that lives inside us that says, don't do that. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you should do this instead. And so Hop Singh's kind of like that spiritual voice that lives inside of us. And so basically what in the song, it's about a street poet that's viewing this woman who's had a relationship, she's had a relationship with. And basically he's saying, Hop Singh, maybe you should listen to Hop Singh. Love that. So if if I was going to include uh, Hop Singh said on in in a playlist, what uh, what would be the best vibe for for the song? What do you mean, like musical styles? Yes. Uh, I don't know. It's a rock and roll song. You know, it just has that. Like a lot of younger people aren't going to really know who Hop Singh is. I mean, I've had people say to me, "Who's Hop Singh? What's Hop Singh?" And, you know, I just kind of explained to him in a shorter form than what I just said to you. But, you know, when I hear Hop sing, I mean, you know, there's a 12 string in it. There's it's a rock and roll song, but there's there's so many influences that we draw on. Um, so I would say, like, geez, if you're playing a Tom Petty song, you could play Hop sing after a Tom Petty song. If you're playing a Ramon song, you could play it after a Ramon song. I mean, it's because it's got elements of so many different things. I mean, we're we're all older guys and we have a pretty deep well of influences, you know, between British invasion stuff like Kinks, Dave Clark, Five, Animals, of course, the Beatles and the Stones and, you know, Fleetwood Mac era, Peter Green era, Fleetwood Mac chess era stuff, Sonny Boy Williamson, Holland Wolf, Muddy Waters, Stax, High Records. I mean, we, we love all that stuff. But when we were, you know, younger guys in the 70s, when the when the eaters first started, you know, what, what ha was happening was, you know, the Ramones were happening and the whole scene in New York that influenced, you know, what, what happened in England with the Pistols and the Clash and the Jam and the Buzzcocks and all those great bands. And the eaters were part of that you know, things. So that's in there too, you know, obviously. So I don't know, that's a tough question, but I, I would say, you know, it's a rock and roll song, so you could put it wherever you want to put it. Thanks. <laughs> when, are, when are you most creative? Like what time of day? Well, you know, as I've gotten older, I love the morning. And I mean, I've already, I've already, I'm a bass player and I work hard at my skill set and I've, I've already put in three hours this morning of practice time you know just working on various things you know working learning lines by bass players that i love and stuff so you know but uh you know sometimes you don't really have a choice you know no matter what's going on like i i, I work full time and, and do a lot of other stuff besides working with the eaters to keep the lights on so to speak and um you know if I'm tired, so what? Still got to like pull it out, you know? And, uh, but yeah, probably when I was younger, you know, I liked working really late at night into the wee hours of the morning. But now I prefer, I actually prefer working in the morning and through the day um, when my mind is the freshest. If, uh, if you were playing a show tonight, where, where does Hop Singh said fall in, in the set list? 
Uh, lately, it's been in the set, like mid-set. You know, we do, because a lot of the songs in the set are new right now, like stuff that's on Monsters and Angels, and there and a couple of new one, newer ones that haven't been recorded yet. Because um, Adam Sherman, the other guitar player in the group, is a very good songwriter in his own right. Um, so Hop Sings Falling Like, there's a segment in the middle of the set where, where Adam puts on a 12-string, and we do probably eight tunes with a 12-string, and, and Hop Sing is in that part of the set. So about mid-set. Excellent. What advice would you give to the next generation of artists? Well, you know, I mean, the first and foremost thing is, what's the reason? Why are you playing? I mean, if you're a musician, I'll just use music for an example of being an artist, because that's what I am. And that's what I know. But the first thing I would ask a younger person or anybody for that matter, if they asked me for anything, I would say, well, why are you doing it? And if they don't tell me that they love it, and that's the reason that they're doing it, then I would say, well, you should, you should learn to love it. Because if you don't love it, you're not gonna, you're not gonna last. I mean, it has to be, you have to have a love affair with, with your art and know that you're not going to learn it all in this lifetime. That it's an ongoing process. And my whole, my motto and my mantra is practice makes practice. It doesn't make perfect. And it's important to have a practice no matter what you do in life. And I, that correlates over to me and just tr the way I try to live my life to have like a practice where I, you know, you know, I mean, when I was younger, I, I used to be pretty hard on myself and I still can be at times, but that that's not the point. I mean, the point is, is like life is challenging and, you know, being an artist is very challenging, especially these days being a musician, especially playing rock and roll music. I mean, it's, you know, I play a lot of different genres. I play acoustic bass too. So I play jazz and blues and R&B and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, you have to love it. You have to love it and you have to respect it. And you have to work hard at it, no matter what's going on, the ups and downs of being an artist, because there, there are many. How, how personal is uh, Monsters and Angels as an album? Is there, is there a lot of the band in it? or? Uh, well, the songs on Monsters and Angels are all Steve's songs, Steve Cataldo who is the, the only original member in the Nervous Eaters at this point in time. I mean, because the band goes back to like 75. So, but that being said, I'll just give you a little history of the band first. David McLean, the drummer, was in Willie Alexander and the Boom Boom Band. That, and he's on those records that were on MCA uh, in 76, 77. Adam Sherman was in a band called Private Lightning that was on A&M out of Boston in the late 70s. And I've been on in tons of bands that have been signed in Boston and then other places. I was in a band called Ministry for three years, which uh, led to a lot of other connections here. And I was also in the Eaters in the 80s. I did a tenure for two years in the 80s. So getting back to your question, uh, there's Steve's songs. Steve, the way Steve writes is he usually demos up the songs. He's a very good bass player and good at programming drums and he's got a good home studio which is where we rehearse. 
and he gives us demos and you know the reason that the band is such a good band and has such a good sound is because we know when to play the parts that are written and when to interpret and so you know he he trusts us i mean you know having a relationship in a band is just like having a relationship with with a human being i mean it's the same thing right <laughs> you, you have to have trust and you have to know you know that what you do in that relationship that that whoever it is is going to have your back whether it's steve having our back or us having his you know as him bringing his songs to us so i would say that you know he gives us free reign because he has the trust that he knows he's going to get what he needs for for his song but he also is open to you know seeing what we're, we're bringing to the table and since i, I co-produced the record with steve actually and um you know yeah we you know we had a lot of fun making the record and uh so yeah everybody's everybody's got their their hand in it for sure nice. if if you had an extra hour in the day how would you spend it jeez don't ask my girlfriend that question <laughs> i probably have my base in my hands or try to get some sleep nice. <laughs> sleep you know what was the moment that you decided that that you loved music that music was for you yeah that's that's a pretty easy question to answer february 9th 1964 oh, do you know wow. what that date is i don't that's when the beatles played on ed sullivan and i was seven years old and I was watching them with my parents and my brother, who was four, and we were jumping up and down like maniacs. And, you know, I didn't know at the time, and I probably didn't have the awareness for a long time after that. But since I've been doing all these interviews and that question has been asked pretty regularly, it's really clear to me that that was it. And I oh, knew wow. it. And, and, I, and I was in. I was all in. I wanted to be a musician and I started, you know, from playing a tonette and learning Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, like in first grade to, you know, to, we had tonettes, they were like plastic flutes that, and everybody got that in a little songbook when you were in first grade. And I, and I love learning all those, those, uh, those children's melodies. I mean, those, those are really, they're beautiful melodies, you know, and they're simple, but they're, they're beautiful. And I knew just, and then it was, you know, I was in an orchestra playing upright bass and, I played drums for a while and then you know i was in rock bands starting in junior high school and and i was on the road playing music full-time two weeks after i graduated high school oh wow and i haven't i've been doing it since that was 1975. so what do you want people to take away from monsters and angels what, what would you like for the listeners to get out of it well you know of course we want them to we want them to enjoy the record enjoy the songs like the music you know and then being a fan first like if you could actually see you can see some of the cds here but i have like you know ten thousand titles in my library wow. i'm a fan you know and i love music and and i love good songwriters like of course, the Lennon and McCartney songbook and Tom Petty, and there's just so many. 
Joni Mitchell. I mean, and the greatest songwriters, the songs are always open to interpretation. You kind of feel like the song's about you or you can really relate to it in some way. And, you know, Steve's songs are about relationships, just like all good songs are, you know, relationships with yourself, with others. So my hope would be that, you know, people could relate to them on a personal level and, and then also just enjoy the energy and, you know, that, you know, good rock and roll music brings to the table, that it makes you feel good. You want to dance, you want to scream, you want to take your clothes off. I mean, I don't care what it is, you know, something, something fun and good, you know? Nice. What, uh, what kind of film do you feel like Hopsing said would be best for in like the soundtrack? Like if it was, if it got a sync license or something, you mean yeah. like if somebody, if somebody bought the tune to put it in a movie or a TV show or something like yeah. that? Oh, I don't know. I never really thought about that, but that's a good question. And that certainly makes, takes the dust off the wheels a little bit up here. And <laughs> makes me think, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I, I could see it being like in a scene where maybe there's conflict, you know, between two people in a relationship or in something else, you know, or, you know, like it's, it's a, it's, it's a good rock and roll song and it's chugging right along. So there's always all of that, but I could see it being you know, it may be in a scene where there's trouble between two people, like, you know, or maybe there is a release where they did figure it out. Nice. I like that. So uh, tell the folks listening at home and all over the world uh, where where they can get Hop Sing Said, and then on the 11th of November, where Monsters and Angels will be available. Okay. So first and foremost, NervousEaters.net. NervousEaters.net. Not The Nervous Eaters, although that's the name of the group. It's just NervousEaters.net is our website, and everything Nervous Eaters is there. Uh, you know, the, right now we have three singles out from the record, Wild Eyes, Superman's Hands, and Hop Sing Said. They're all on YouTube. Please go to YouTube, view and like and comment and all that. We, we appreciate all the engagement we can get. And uh, so, and then Wicked Cool Records, which is Stephen Van Zant's label uh, from, you know, he's Bruce Springsteen's guitar player and has his own, you know, things, got his own label, Underground Garage and all that groovy stuff. Their website, you can, you can find it on their Bandcamp page. You can buy it or you can buy it through, you know, we have a link to on our website and uh, we actually Wild Eyes is available as a 45 hard copy wow. and it's on red vinyl. That's really cool. And the, the flip side of it is the original version of Loretta from 1976 that we remastered. And our, one of our executive producers, Steve Berkowitz, who was the head of Sony Legacy for many years and has worked with everybody in the industry, he calls it the smallest box set in the world. So nice. it's, it's, it's a very cool, uh, you know, we believe in the hard copy. We think it's really important. We believe, and it's also coming out on vinyl in January. It'll be on purple and orange vinyl. And so we believe in the hard copy, vinyl, CDs, 
I know that streaming and downloading is a big thing these days, but we don't really, we don't really endorse that concept. You know, of course, if you do it, that's great. Any way you want to listen to the music, okay. But what we really believe in, we believe in books, magazines, CDs, albums. They're so important to keep that medium alive. And, you know, it's, it's a struggle right now because everything is so instantaneous and instant gratification. And, you know, I think it's important. So that's where you can get that's where you can get our product, and uh, you know we got other merch up there too, t-shirts and all that stuff. This has been a Rod Wharton production in association with Spring Break 83 Entertainment. All rights and trademarks reserved. No portion of this podcast shall be reproduced commercially without explicit consent.